are, and welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. We have with us, this is exciting, this is like a premiere day episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast, <laughs> because we have with us the director and writer of Clock, which premieres on Hulu today, the day that this is coming out, Alexis Jack. Now, Alexis, welcome to the family. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to see you all again. And, and I didn't get to meet you the first time, so I'm jealous. I feel like I have a lot of Becky, room to make up. Becky and I maybe talked a lot about. A lot. Of, they're like, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. They did not stop talking about you after they met you. We will catch up. We will, we will get, we will okay. get there. <laughs> okay, so Clock, which is from Hulu's Bite Size Halloween shorts originally, which we have covered a lot. So we are big fans of the bite-sized Halloween. Folks who um, are, are listeners to the show know how much we talked about the filmmakers who made Moshari. They made Foreigners Only, which was on bite-sized Halloween. We um, we loved, um, I think, Bad Rabbit from Rebecca Johnson and yeah. Kate Nash. And so the fact, oh, and Appendage, which we covered the feature mm -hmm. also. So it's like an esteemed group of filmmakers. And here we are getting to talk to another one in this great tradition, a movie that is so terrifying and disturbing <laughs> and Jewish, which is <laughs> yeah, I know. Jewish one to, for us to talk. The first is, is Clock. Um, okay, Alexis, before we get into spoilers, because I don't think there's much we can do. I mean, we can do a lot without spoilers, but how would you describe the genre of this horror film to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's mostly a psychological thriller um, with elements of horror, you know, hopefully we have a few good jump scares in there, but, um, you know, mainly, yeah. we're, yeah, you're very welcome, <laughs> but, you know, mainly we're watching um, a woman on the verge. Right. And, and the things that have pushed her to the verge are, have everything to do with fertility, motherhood, pressure, generational trauma, all swirling together. And um, as, a, as a parent, as a Jewish dad, um, I was just blown away by the way you threaded in the conflict, uh, the inner conflict that I think any anyone, I'm not going to speak for women because I can't, I'm a guy, but anyone might have. <laughs> when they're thinking about whether or not they want to be a parent in this day and age, it just kind of blew us away. Where, where does that come from? Oh, just my personal life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> very uh, just everything that's kept me up at night for the past 10 years. Uh, no, I mean, you know, it's an incredibly personal story to me um, deciding whether or not to have children, uh, you know, is, is the thing that I, you know, have lost sleep over and have, you know, been kind of tormented by, uh, you know, and I, it's just kind of like what better place to write horror from, you know, I had a, um, a writing teacher once say that, uh, a great place to write from is to either write about your, um, your greatest fear or your greatest wish. And I think my greatest fear was that, I had a broken biological clock and my greatest wish was that I could fix it. And so clock just was really, you know, the, the marriage of those two ideas. Wow. Well, I think that the, it translates really, really well. Um, 
Okay, so clock. Let's get into the let's get into like what it's like. Okay, there's a woman. She is married. Played by played by Diana Agron, who's from Glee, but in many other things. But people might know her mostly from Glee, and she's and she has a very successful and full life. Wow. But she also has pressure from pretty much everywhere. It seems whether it's from from her family uh, or her husband, friends to. not just have kids, but it's like this other element it's, of it. She's in. She's almost treated like she's broken because she doesn't have that desire to have kids. So it's it feels even a little bit deeper when people are making comments to her, you know, and questioning her choices. You know, it's not just a judgment of her lifestyle; it's a judgment of her of her character, of her wiring. And yeah, uh, yeah right. It's, it's, and, it, that in itself is pretty horrifying. And one of the, I find mm. the most poignant moments just like in the development of the, her story, when we're getting her story at the beginning is when one of her friends casually says, well, what do you do all day? Cause you don't have kids. <laughs> and I do have kids. So I was like, are you kidding me? Like if, are you are you asking are you seriously asking that because god what does i can't wait and then you do the montage the, of all, that montage is I was drooling. stunning i was drooling i was like oh that looks so good i'm like if you have not ask this woman that because then you're gonna feel really bad in a second when she's like oh, her meetings, massages and i was like that's amazing just I living her best life you know yeah, yeah totally totally she can't say that in the scene it's so great because she just says like she didn't say anything Right, um, right. None of that is good enough. But from being on the other side, it sounds amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I have a question about that, which is, so she does have all these fulfilling things, but I don't think the movie, and maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here, but I don't feel like you're saying to the viewer as a filmmaker that it's that simple. Like, I sense a real heavy conflict from from the characters, from the filmmakers, but also because there is this amazing Jewish thread that is interjected Very into powerful. it about pressure to keep the Jewish people going because she comes from a family of Holocaust survivors. She's her dad is played by the incredible Saul Rubinick, who's in oh my god my favorite Jewish movies of all time, The Outside Chance of Maximilian Glick. That is the best bar mitzvah movie ever made. It's a small ah. movie from the 80s. I haven't seen it. I'll have to check I... it out. <laughs> like like you have to find like a VHS copy. I actually isn't bought he, a VHS copy to get is it. He, isn't he also in Hunters? He's in Hunters. Yeah, or, he's in, yeah and he's in Hunters, which is oh, like, yeah. talk about Jewish action horror. But so, but I, I get the sense that even though the main character has this fulfilled life, it's not simply this pressure, but she has her own conflict. Like she has her own desire to honor that. Could you speak to that about about that element? Sure. Well, um, I'm I'm Jewish, and uh, you know. Part of what I struggle with is that I feel like um, because I'm Jewish and because of the persecution our people have faced over and over for centuries, um, I have less of a choice. It's all about choice. And because of my um, race and my ethnicity and religion, I feel I have less of a choice because what has been done to our people, because there aren't many of us left and um, the the Jewish line is traced through the women. And so I, I felt this enormous 
um, responsibility. I don't want to call it a burden. I would want to call it a responsibility to continue our race of people um, because I love our people and I I um, I want to see us continue and um, be prolific. And so, you know, when you're thinking about writing a character under pressure, it's like, well, what can you do to turn up the heat on them? What can you do to turn it up so that it's an absolute boil until it, it you know, overflows? And for me, one of the crucial elements, you know, is, well, let's make her be from this, you know, culture or background that is also demanding her to, um, to act in, in a certain way. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so personal, but to all of us, I mean, it's, it's so personal, but also such a unique theme in a film. Like, I feel like any, this is for everyone to see. And it's, I mean, the Holocaust in and of itself is a horror, like, uh, you know, obviously, like, just having that, you know, weight in the background of the film, but it's, it's, you know, a universal theme in terms of how everybody I think can relate in, in a lot of ways, but should know about this very specific thing that other like women might be going through or like the history that we all carry behind yes. that. And yeah. And I mean, Lily, you, you had to deal with that when Lily decided to have um, in the sense that when Lily, when your <laughs> when your second child was born um, during the pandemic, Lily had to make a decision as to whether or not she was going to have a bris in the pandemic. Like circumcision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For, who don't For the non-Jews that listen to our podcast. Yes, there might be like two. <laughs> I feel like even if there are non-Jews that listen to our podcast, they know enough Jews that they know what a bris but like, is. But, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll admit like, and I hope this doesn't make Alexis like me less, but like, <laughs> like mom and I were definitely like I reminding say, you that in the Haggadah, they say they circumcise the kids, even though they were. I will <laughs> say, uh, yes, I don't know if I could really like exactly to the film and in, in some ways, maybe not at all, but there is. Yeah, I was in a very tough moment in my life and had a newborn and there was a raging pandemic. This is like OG pandemic. There was very- Yeah, pre-vaccines. Yeah, pre-vaccines and everything. And I live in a remote place. And my Jewish mom was sitting there going, okay, but but like Jews have faced greater obstacles. <laughs> but like- there's a lockdown. How am I going to get a moil here? Like, I can't deal with the stress. What if the baby gets COVID? And she was like, they they did the circumcisions before they but in the rivers and the Haggadah. Literally. What's funny is that you guys all did get COVID, but not from yeah, the breast. Not from the moil. <laughs> yeah, but not from the moil. Like a month later. <laughs> but, but and he and, and, and in fairness, this guy, you know, breast is supposed to go short. It was the longest bris ever. <laughs> like stressful. we were on Zoom and my mom just like looked at the camera at one point where Lily couldn't see and was like, I don't know what's happening. Why is this going so long? The, it was, the, it, was, it and, was a bit intense. The point is that I did turn to my mom at one point and I was like, if something should happen to us, you know, because of this like old tradition or something that you're so obsessed with, how bad are you going to feel? Like, I was trying to turn the guilt around on her and she was like, not going to work on me. Um, <laughs> year old uh, Jewish woman and I'm Cuban so watch my guilt come right around back at you and, <laughs> and in the end I didn't like I did it at my own way I didn't do it the eight days after I did it like a month after we planned it properly and 
I didn't do like a, yeah, the traditional eight days that you're supposed to do because I couldn't handle all of that. And so it took me some time in the end. Yes, we figured it out how to do it, but um, yeah, it was, I, I think that in a many ways in all of us, you know, we carry the guilt. I think what was really interesting about the film and the, the generational trauma that was woven in there is the father's character, Saul Rubinek's character, he's obviously carrying it himself. Like, and he is, you know, and we all have known children of Holocaust survivors. You know, we would be grandchildren, but we know children of Holocaust survivors. And like that opened up, like Shai and I were talking about, like, whoa, that's a whole other film. Like, that's a whole other window into what it's yeah. like to grow up in a household like that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really tried to thread, um, more of that throughout the film visually like there are things that nobody would ever catch if um you know if they weren't Jewish maybe even if they are Jewish they wouldn't catch it but you know uh when we were selecting like what car Ella drives I was like I want her to drive you notice you you notice you notice she was driving mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. amazing. And I said, yeah. I want her to drive a BM, I want her to drive a German car because my my grandparents wouldn't buy anything German. And that was like a real no-no. And then um I, my mom owned a BMW and that was like a thing, right? And it just it it's I wanted to show Ella as you know a, a modern American Jewish woman who was gonna, you know, just make her own way but still feel tied down. Um, by these things, we show an exterminator the moment she gets to the clinic, you know, he's, he's spraying the lawn, you know, there's mm -hmm. just like all of these. I was wondering that, but I didn't go that, I didn't pick up the, on that. The, at the that bug, far. the bug imagery. The bug thing. Yeah. And that, that is, yeah. The bug. Imagery. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, I mean, there, there are all of these little things like, you know, her, her tie that she wears. That yeah. Be, that we noticed. That we breaks. Noticed that. I mean, nobody's going to pick up on this one, but in the photograph of her grandmother, her grandmother is wearing the same necklace. So it's like the second she mm -hmm. decide, the second she accidentally like breaks that thing, you know, this symbol, which means life, we know she's in for it. And that's when grandma kind of comes out of the, <laughs> the woman. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, so I, um, I called that it was the grandmother. Yeah, yeah she I was, called that it was. I, I, I was very excited. I mean, this is a terrible thing to be excited about. Lily, <laughs> Lily and I are watching. Yeah, I, I, I watched I, part with Becky and I watched the other part with Jai. I got very lucky to watch a bit with both. Um, and so one of the so a I was very proud. We we love predicting movies. It's like it's important to us. And I was like, it's got to be the I, grandma. I did not predict. <laughs> I I didn't predict anything. Which is also got such. An incredible Becky and I when we 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 were talking about this back when we were in Austin and you're from Austin so this is you know we were talking about bold choices and and I think that this film you made so many bold choices and to have like a Jewish grandmother is such a sacred character mm -hmm. and and by the way the they're not they're not they're not perfect we have no no our, our Jewish mothers or complex people yeah but to make the the haunting ghost the grandmother and the way you threaded together that particular visual and why that visual is the way it is i don't want to give it all away right was so cool and so gutsy um, um but at no point did i feel that judaism or jewish culture was the villain and i feel like there are other films i don't i don't know how you how you 
made that distinction or walked that line, but you did. And it to to bring up, you know, the speech in the well, well, but just before that, I want to contrast too. So something we talk about is there's a lot of Jewish comedies out there. I'm not going to name any of them, especially because you're here and they're your colleagues and we're just like jokers on a podcast. But we talk a lot about how in comedy things are considered Jewish, but like the Jewishness is the butt of the joke. It's the it's the defect. It's the personality yeah. defect. And we've been particularly critical of one show where a character's Jewish qualities are all of his bad qualities. And whenever he shows growth, Whereas in this one, the heavy burden of being Jewish is literally haunting this woman. But at no point did I feel like this was a, the message was leave your past, screw your people, get away from that. How did you how'd you do that? <laughs> well, I don't feel that way. You know, I and I don't and I don't like personally um, when when Judaism is portrayed that way when we're either, uh, you know, the butt of our own joke or the butt of somebody else's joke, or, you know, only, only, um, seen in, in striped pajamas kind of thing, you know, um, that's the only thing Mm -hmm. or heroic or whatever. And I just really wanted to write like a modern Jewish American woman, um, who is, is living a, a very, um, fulfilling normal modern life until of course she's not but um but does carry this cultural weight with her um and i you know like i said like i i love our people and i wanted to uphold them and um you can you can be haunted by your history and your ancestry without having that be um something villainous right because like we weren't the ones that perpetrated that you know yeah right and now that that, that right. speech that's yeah, the perfect that time that speech to... came out of like nowhere to me i i just was like whoa it was everything that i was maybe thinking or imagining and then that speech which you wrote and dana says is so poignant the bug um, speech. yeah when she eventually like oh just if you know people haven't seen it goes to a clinic to fix her biological clock and she's explaining her maybe feelings or whatever to the doctor um i want to say jan now i have it said jan, <laughs> jan levinson yeah, gold listening it's jan from the <laughs> office and by the jan way from the office genius casting yeah oh she's so so good she's so good in that role because again it you're you're wondering all the time is this who's the villain is she the villain is she good is she bad she's she's just again teetering on that edge the whole time and lily and i as we're watching we're going but she's so sincere she you we know that what she's doing is really appreciated because i is she's the villain right she's so sincere in what treatment and I, maybe also would have bothered me a little bit if like the medical industry was the villain. It would have been a maybe a bit too obvious or a bit too, I don't know. But it's not of, that. A lot of weird scientific, like if you look at IVF, which I did, it's like a science it, mind meld. Like it's not natural. It's not normal. It's just so bizarre. It's like flying to the moon. Becky's, I mean, Lily's kid defrosted on, on, a, counter- on a counter like a hamburger. Yeah, like he was... <laughs> I, my husband and I look at him and we're like, but he was frozen. It doesn't make sense. And so it's I, crazy what we can yeah, do now. It's right. really bizarre. And that's not even like a hat. They can do so many amazing things. And I think yeah. that like, I take issue or I don't appreciate when people maybe 
you know, describe it as something nefarious or, uh, you know, yeah. messing with God or nature. Oh. And, and, and it, I, it bothers me because that's, you know, personal. And so I liked that I didn't feel, and then maybe some people read it that the medical industry is responsible, but I, it no. wasn't clear to me that necessarily the doctor who's treating her is a bad person is trying to do something. Like, she calls her a lot and asks her if she has side effects and the patient she does. Goes, she does. And so that, so yeah, I, I mean, and I, that was really important to me is that number one, you know, um, Dr. Simmons, Melora's character, feels that she is doing something in service of women. She is helping women who um, have asked for her help voluntarily. And if something is going wrong, she wants to know about it. She wants to, she tells her to stop. Like, oh my God, if something, if this is your help, if something's going wrong, we need to stop in the immediately, you know? And, and I think that she believes that. Um, and also, you know, for me, be, because of that choice, for me, the true horror of the movie is watching a woman voluntarily right. choose to go against her better instincts over and over and over and over. Because that's, that's the whole I like that. There's no nobody's making her do that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's making her do this. Nobody's you know, she doesn't get to the clinic and she's not like locked in or whatever. She has it's like the menu. Have you seen the menu that I loved the menu? I loved that movie. Um, but yeah, she has I it right. was important for me to show that she has like full service on her cell phone. She right. can send a text, she can yeah. make a call, she can get her car is right out front, she can get out of there whenever she wants. Really and like she chooses to stay. And that to me is like the true horror. Of the, of the film. And and when she's there, she meets another patient. She sure does. Played by, Played yeah. by the wonderful Alexis. Hmm. Little Easter egg for people watching. Can you spot Alexis? Um, how did that come about? Well, I'm an actor and, you know, I wanted to be in a movie. So <laughs> this seemed like the easiest way. I'll just write, direct, you know, yeah. <laughs> do the whole thing. And then I could just put myself in it. Right. Way You're great. Easier, You're much, an audition, right? An audition yeah. in. Here. <laughs> but um, you're yeah, it was really fun to jump in there for uh for a minute. And I have this really great photo of being in the makeup trailer with Diana and my line producer and my AD followed me in there as I was like, you know, as they were trying to do something with, with my ragged face. And after like five minutes of just having them stand over my shoulder, I was like, you, you get out, <laughs> like you gotta go, like you can't be hovering while this is happening right now. And I got to like close my eyes while they did my hair and makeup. And it was like the only 15 minutes in, in, you know, eight weeks that I just like went, you know, it was great. It's worth it to put yourself <laughs> in the movie. Huh? So worth it, worth it to put oh, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Totally it's a good hack, it. a good hack for other directors. Yeah, 15 minutes in the makeup trailer, totally worth it. And and so was that choice of that character who is another patient who seems to be more confident in the experience, right? That mm -hmm. patient seemed to be very much like on board. Yeah, and I, as opposed to the patient at the beginning, beginning of the film, who's I'm not going to open. not ruin that. Right, who's, who's suffering more? Yeah, um, yeah. I think that my character is like resigned to her choice. 
you know, I think, you know, there's like a sense of this about it, you know, it's, um, sorry, we're on a podcast that doesn't translate. Does it? There's, <laughs> there's a sense of shrugging our shoulders. Yeah. I'm shrugging my shoulders. The sense of, you know, we're, um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm giving into it. And even though I might not like it, um, I've made my choice. But she, what's interesting is that she doesn't seem to be having, and the other women that you kind of see around don't seem to be having necessarily the same side effects, we'll call them, as Ella's having. So, Well, I think that they are in their own ways, but I think that that's kind of what she says in the cafeteria at the end of Dr. Simmons is like, oh, nobody's told you, have they? Because I, first of all, I think women hold a lot in. Oh. Wow. I think women don't talk about. And especially in the medical field, that's another yes. layer. There's so many layers to this film. Yeah. The medical field and how women are ignored, but then also basically made to lie because we don't, our pain is not acknowledged right. or recognized as. Right. And so she kind of says like, we were all so desperate to be normal, normal in quotes, like mm-hmm. we were willing to white knuckle it through anything. Like we were willing to put up with, these insane side effects and the pain and, and the psychological torture. Just... And we are all the time. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was because... thinking of shoes alone. Like shoes alone. Just shoes alone. Shoes alone. Yeah. Oh my God. Title of this episode, shoes alone. <laughs> <laughs> Poor women. Shoes alone. Shoes alone. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So the Jewish stuff is like, I love that it's not hidden and it's not something if you're only Jewish, you know, it's, that speech that she gives the doctors makes it very out there. This is what I'm dealing with. But then I love the layers behind like, you know, women's you know experience in the medical field and how we're treated in society. And it's really beautifully layered with a lot of important themes, especially today. And the fact that you give her so much choice in the film and yet she's so locked in is yeah claustrophobic yet i said to shy she can call her husband she can call anyone and leave and she goes she doesn't have reception oh yes she does does. she's literally calling her husband yeah she's but she's stuck like mentally stuck and it's very she's putting herself there she's she is and that's what simmons says to her she's like this is a voluntary program that you signed up for you know and you can leave whenever you want and so that's that's truly like the worst prison of all is when like you've put yourself there, you've locked yourself mm-hmm. in this, in this place. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what you said a moment ago of it just feeling really relevant. I mean, when we started making this movie, Roe was still very much in place. And then on the last day of principal photography, that was the day the Supreme court opinion leaked. And then two months later, when we were shooting that cold open back in LA, that was the day Roe was overturned. And so Ooh. it was literally, yeah. So Roe was overturned that day. And then we had to go do an overnight shoot about a woman who literally ripped something out of her body because she doesn't want to choose motherhood. And we all got to set and we were just like, it's as if you knew it's like, it's, it's, it, it was relevant before the overturn of Roe v. Wade and so much more relevant after. Oh, it's just been, I mean, it has put a whole different um, 
light on the movie that was not originally intended at all. Um, and it's made it far heavier and um, more serious, but also more relevant. And so I'm, I'm glad that we have it as a conversation piece right now. But I mean, there's so much stuff in there that was unintentional. I mean, that second scene starts on row. There's fish row throughout the entire yeah. movie. You know, there's just much in there that we're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that this is here and it's happening. And this is the world we live in now. I mean, it's, it was, it's been insane. Um, yeah, you know, so first of all, yeah, choice is a big deal in our, in our house. My, my wife, uh, works at the DC abortion fund. And so we're very, we're very, we're very proud of her and body autonomy is a huge, important thing for all of us. Um, uh, I, I think something that has come up with the Roe decision is, for a lot of Jewish people, I mean, for most of the Jewish people I know, because a certain amount of choice around, I say a certain amount because there's a difference between like us as very, very liberal Jews and more orthodox ones, but still, um, the ability to choose whether or not to have a child is built into the framework of our religion's laws, right? This is something that is that there is space for. Um, and I'm not going to say that every sect of Judaism does a great job with women and their autonomy, but mm-hmm. but there is mm-hmm. a certain amount of 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 choice that's really built into it. And I think um, uh, I I really thought a lot about how powerful it was to have this framed in the Jewish context because. I, I like there is the actual human rights part of this and then there's the religious rights part of this like being able to being able to choose our destiny is built into who we are um and and particularly for women and their bodies yeah absolutely i mean it's 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 been totally surreal like i still don't i still haven't wrapped my head around it that we're living in a different world now and that every day it just seems to get more and more restrictive, you know, now they're, they're, yeah. Then there's been. Yeah. And we're recording this. This is going to drop on the day the film comes out, but we're recording this on the day the Supreme court is making its decision about um, uh, the the abortion pill, about medication. So I mean, it's it's still going, it's still going and going. And, you know, we shot it in my hometown of Austin, Texas, and Texas now has some of the strictest and worst abortion laws in in the country um not only is you know not, not only do they have restrictive abortion laws but uh you can you can sue another <laughs> another fellow human being uh under SBA if they if they've aided in you know helping somebody get an abortion and that can just be like I drove them to a clinic or I made a phone call on their behalf it's 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 absolutely um terrifying yet and i'll tie this back to the film yet even though she's making choices throughout she is being manipulated by um uh, there's a reveal she's being Mm -hmm. manipulated by someone um as part of this you know but but i really that guy doesn't get in trouble right but i also really well he doesn't get in trouble but he gets a pretty bad injury yeah he gets what's coming to him it could have been wait wait, who are are we talking about mm -hmm. Oh yeah. right! The, mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's oh amazing God. that you forgot about that. How could Amanda you forget forgot that? about that? That's incredible. That's, no, I, I, I think I would be steered yet. into your, did you just have to like delete it from your brain? <laughs> no, it was, was so. No, you know why? Because in this movie. You were like, he deserved it. <laughs> no? No. In this movie, like the, the character that I most struggled with was the father and so i was much more focused on the, the fate of the father and the like i don't identify with her husband at all like in the in the in this film because he was a phony like i you know he, he just didn't um I, I didn't identify with him but the father because there were threads of the father that i identify with until it turns out he's a much meaner nastier damaged person than he sort of lets on he's originally sort of this cute like bagel dad um, <laughs> that that's 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 kind of why i was i was much more focused on the fate of what happens to the dad than than the than the husband i did but, i but did I, and i did forget about that that scene that um, scene i just i didn't like i mean now i but, remember it but and and i just also thought it was really interesting the way that you wove in i would say it's somewhat guilt because guilt is a big theme in the film but just other people's perspective of your choices like the friends all have their opinion fine but then when there's a crucial scene between um the main character and her best friend who's about to have a baby and she is so angry at her and, she's, and she says you know you're you won't do something that you could so easily do but it's hard for me because she has a woman as a partner and they obviously had to do some kind of IVF to get pregnant or insemination to get pregnant and um in that and that because you can do so i thought that was really interesting because you can do something you're supposed to carry the hurt and the pain of everybody else because they it's not easy for them and it and it and on a personal level you know it it that really resonated with me because i yeah i just i've seen it before in other versions in different shows or t or movies with women and uh, Becky was pregnant with her second while I was just starting IVF and, you know, I, we were fine. It was great. I was so happy for her, but you know, if, if, you know, Becky, let's say was like, well, I'm just gonna, I don't want another baby and I'll just, you know, I'm going to go have an abortion, which he's absolutely allowed to do. We might've had a different conversation. And I've seen that conversation play out. And this was, you know, a woman who's heterosexual, uh, like upper status in the world. And, could easily have a baby as if that's all it comes to. And I just, you know, that it's a whole other conversation. When you have money, you're, uh, uh, have a male partner, he can just get you pregnant and that's it. Then, you know, you shouldn't complain. And that yeah. conversation is so heavy and important. And I thought that, yeah. oh, you know, you was just a really interesting thread through the film. My, um, you know, I know, I know many women, many couples, many family members that have um, desperately wanted children and have struggled for years to have them. Um, and, you know, the emotional toll I understand that that takes is great. And also the physical toll on women who go through IVF or, you know, whatever medical procedures and men who have surgeries to, you know, um, try to work towards this goal together. And the, the last thing I wanted was for Ella to come off as, well, she is, I mean, she's a little flippant about it. And that's why her friend has to say like, Hey, the way you talk about this is, is hurtful to me. It's inconsiderate, you know, and that's fine if you don't want this, but please recognize that 
that I do and that it's um, it's hard for me to see how easy it could be for you when for me it has been so difficult. And I just really wanted that in there because um, God, the last thing I want is for for women to feel like this movie is saying like, you know, you shouldn't have children or, you know what, I mean, if that's what you want, great. It's also not a movie saying you should have children. It's a movie trying to show the whole spectrum, which is impossible in 90 minutes, but, you know, a spectrum spectrum of womanhood and parenthood and, you know, female desires and autonomy. Right. And that there's, I mean, the idea of like being broken and what does that mean? And like, well, we, we certainly have your back and are excited about this film but in the context of the conversation we're having, I have to imagine there are going to be some pretty strong responses to this, to this story, you know, um, everything from, oh, giving women bodily autonomy, right? You know, like it's, I, um, but I don't know, it just, it, there's a, it, it's very thought provoking. It is much more than just a horror film with some scares. It is a very thoughtful, deep film with really powerful themes. So, Thank you. yeah, I mean, I really hope that, um, you know, I don't know what will be directed at me when it comes out, but my hope is that it sparks conversation and debate and questions. And I really hope that it's a conversation and not people just shouting at each other with their fingers in their ears, you know, cause uh, we do enough of that. Um, well, I think you've given lots of room for conversation in here because you have showed such a spectrum and it hasn't, and it's not just like a pinhole view of, of this experience that you have, you know, were thoughtful in that. And I always, I always think about if I've seen a movie and I can't stop thinking about it, that's a good sign. So even though I didn't remember that one scene, I have not stopped thinking about this movie since I saw, and I've seen like two other movies since then, and I'm still like absorbing. Thank um, you. So Becky mentioned the scares. There are a few good scares, and I would love to. I want to. I want to know from. So you're. I'm going to put three scares in front of you from the movie, and I ask which one of these is. It's weird to ask your favorite, but you have to have a favorite. You're a filmmaker. You made this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe not a favorite, but like you enjoyed making it, even though it's a very heavy movie, right? Yeah, I love making it. Okay, so there is a scene that I think is the scare of the movie for me is the spider crawling on the pregnant woman's stomach. (laughs) Or the perceived spider. And then ensuing attempt to squash the spider. (laughs) There is the grandmother at the window. And... um, I would say like another, I mean, another big scare. I mean, there's the, the, when the husband gets his comeuppance, let's just say, Mm -hmm. Uh, which one of those three was your favorite to film and which one was your just favorite to watch? Like, so one to create and then one to experience as a. Yeah. The, the kitchen scene between Ella and Aiden was my favorite to film. That was probably my favorite day of filming because, um, 
we just got the whole day to shoot that one scene in one location. And that was a luxury we certainly did not have for any other, you know, however many pages in the movie. Mm. And to get to just hunker down with those two incredible actors who showed up and were so game because that is an intense scene with a roller coaster of emotions. Um, and so they had to do it over and over, you know, we got a lot of coverage and, you know, God bless Jay. Like he was so down to just like, you know, um, trust me and the crew and, you know, what, what we were doing physically there. Um, and I just loved making that scene. I loved shooting that scene because, you know, wouldn't that be the dream if you got to work at that pace every day? <laughs> um, however, I will say that my favorite scare to watch in a theater, because we got to, we got to see it premiere in uh, New Orleans a couple weeks ago, was the spider on the belly. We literally had a woman sitting behind me who could not help herself. She started shouting, um, no ma'am, no ma'am, you put that book down, no ma'am. And like the whole theater was like freaking out during that moment. And that moment made people on both, during both screenings, like the audience just, you know, like clinched everyone, everyone, there was a lot of vocalizations and, you know, just really a lot of upset. Um, and that, that was really fun to hear. And, and you know, the story of that spider, Gosh, we probably don't have that long left, but um, I'll give you the bullet points, which is that um, Grace, my actress playing Shauna, <laughs> said to us, um, she called me like a few days before we shot the scene and she was like, um, so I just want to let you know that I am deathly afraid of spiders. And I was like, oh, well, that's, um, that's really good to know. Wait, a couple did you use a real spider? We sure did. Oh uh, my god, I thought that was CG then. Oh my god. There, because there in my head I was no, because in my head I was like, why would no, even the one that looked hyper real, because in my head I'm like, who would allow yeah. something to crawl on them? Obviously, and they make also, CG, CG is so good there. these days. That's the thing, is that so it was like nobody would allow that thing to crawl over to their body. Calm. Right. So that was, oh weird. my God, uh, that my was hair. Very real tarantula. And oh uh, Grace told me she was deathly afraid of spiders. So we immediately got her a body double, um, in, oh you know, grab there. And, you know, we had these huge safety meetings with the animal wrangler about what this spider might do and how we needed to behave around it and blah, blah, blah. And then on the day, Grace walks oh. up to me and she oh. was like, um, I want to do it. Like I, I want to do it. Don't use that body double. And I was like, that's insane. We literally have a woman standing right here, ready to sit in. And she was like, no, I'm, I'm doing it. And I was like, okay. And so she hopped in there. And when I tell you, I have a three minute long video on my phone of what happened before we were able to get that shot. And this spider was, was not having it. He was crawling all over this prosthetic oh. belly. It is truly, it would, that was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. And Diana, God bless her, sat there like an angel. Just the eyes, her eyes were closed. She was inches from that thing. And she waited for just three minutes. I have so many questions. 
I know. I was like, we don't have enough time. What happens if you get bit? How are you supposed to act? Did anybody yeah. scream? How did they? What so, were the per diem? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the spider got paid, but like, I mean, we, we had like, you know, the representative from the ASPCA there. And it was like, you know, there were, there were rules. Like we couldn't even have, we couldn't have um, a boom mic over it because if something passed over its head, it would think it was a, you know, a predator or something like a bird or a whatever, like okay. a shadow. So we couldn't, you know, we couldn't mic certain actors in, in a way in that scene. Um, I mean, there were just like a lot of, things uh that we had to be really aware of and it Wait, was... but they're venomous right like what happens if you get bit like what if it bit diana on the face or the so, um they they can bite but it's not like it's like uh getting a little bee sting however something we were not informed of in our state our first safety meeting um <laughs> this animal wrangler gets to set. We have we have an hour-long safety meeting about it on Zoom. And then the animal wrangler gets to set with this spider and she goes, um, oh well, you know, Diana can't put her head there um because you know they throw their bristles. And what? I was like, I'm sorry, what? They shoot, they shoot spite, they shoot like they throw, they they're these like, you know, these hairy little creatures, and they can throw their bristles it was instant I said wait a minute I was like we went over the scene we know that her head is on the belly next to the spider what do you mean they throw bristles and why are we hearing about this just now so it was like a really wild time on set dealing with this tarantula you know about the spider and 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 i respect spiders but your your main actress is also right there and that's a lot of concern wow i I also want you to know that becky invites animal wranglers to her kids birthday parties with all of their like lizards and giant frogs not tarantulas (laughs) i've had many snakes and things like that but i draw the line at a tarantula I actually have quite a soft spot for tarantulas because I'm I'm from Texas and we have the, the biggest tarantulas. I and mean, they're actually oh sweet, they're very sweet creatures and they don't they don't bother you if if you don't bother them. I actually really love tarantulas, but that doesn't mean I want to stick my face near one. Right. And um Diana, it should be said, is an absolutely fearless uh actress and human being. And there was nothing that um she would not do for this oh film that wow. I said please don't do that she was like oh no I'm I'm doing that well it it comes across like the tension in the scene it looks real I didn't understand how you got a spider but I thought it looked like a real spider so it all yes, looks it real. That, that <laughs> incredible tension that was a that we that was the one where we were very vocal yes I, right. do I can't believe okay. we're gonna do it freaking out we, so we we have had like an extremely intelligent conversation. This is very deep. Yes. And I feel like tarantulas have gotten us right into the mood where I can ask a dumb question. Let's do it. Okay. So this has very little to do with your film, which okay. is fantastic. And people should watch it. It's on Hulu. April 28th. April 28th. Like strap in. It's really, really, really intense. And it's going to give you a lot to think about. So we play a, a, a game on the show. We call it buy, rent, or meh. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you three things. Okay. okay. And you have to force rank them. Buy, like uh-huh. as if you're in a video store, you're going to buy the video. Uh-huh. Rent or meh. doesn't really mean last place because we don't. it doesn't have to be last place. It can just be, it can be whatever you want the meh to mean. Okay, but great. Buy and rent. Buy is above rent. That's what's important. Okay. Great. 
So your film is called uh, Clock, a clock, and uh, there's a lot of famous timepieces in movies. And I wanted to put three different timepieces. Um, and Becky and Lily, if you want to chime in, you know, at a certain point, um, uh, like mm-hmm. your choices, go for it. And I wanted you to just pick which ones, like pick the order of these three that I'm going to put in front of you. Great. And and hopefully you'll, I mean, I think you'll know them. These okay. okay. So number one, the clock tower in Back to the Future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, the watch in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the watch? I what do you mean the watch? With Christopher Walken, you're I, I I hid this watch, and you know. Oh you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, do you, do you all have another one? If not, okay. An important the clock. Last one I have is this isn't this 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 building exists, so it's in a lot of different movies, but I am especially attached to its reference in the movie European Vacation, because. Okay when they get stuck in the circle and they keep going around and going, look, look, kids, there's big Ben in the parliament building. So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, kids, there's big Ben in the parliament. So big Ben, the clock tower from back to the future, the watch from Pulp Fiction buy, rent or meh. Okay. I'm definitely buying the clock tower from back to the future. Uh, I'm going to rent big Ben and I'm going to meh Pulp Fiction watched. Okay. I fully support that. I fully support that. I don't even feel like she needs to rationalize it. It makes sense. <laughs> she, she can defend, but I agree. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, another question I would love to know or in this section of the show is, do you have a question you like to ask people so you can sort of read whether or not you're going to be friends with their movie taste? So like I always ask people what their favorite music moment in a movie is. Um oh. But do you have like a thing where like, let's say you're like hiring someone to work on your film and you, and you like ask them, you know, uh, do you have like a, a movie question or a pop culture question you ask? I don't really, but I I know that I appreciate people who love the classics. You know, I was really raised on the classics. And if we have, you know, um, kind of that common denominator you know i know that we'll we'll get along just great like you're saying singing in the rain or you're saying yeah, like, or you're like pretty woman like what are we talking about here <laughs> both are technically classics <laughs> yeah i'm talking like singing in the rain i'm talking like you know all about eve marty best years of our lives you know like the the great the greats you know back in from back in the day i was i was raised on that stuff um and uh, I just, I, I really have an appreciation for the storytelling and filmmaking and um, anybody else who does as well. Like, I know that we're just going to be able to have a really easy conversation. Cool. All right. And what's like a movie that anyone who has met you or seen Clock, I guess, mm-hmm. um, would be surprised that you really love? Hmm. I don't think I can surprise any. I don't think I can surprise anyone at this point. A guilty pleasure. Yeah, be a guilty pleasure if you wanna. Like I don't think I can. I don't think I can surprise anyone at this point because everyone knows I love Cats, the movie. movie. (laughs) You always say, I know, I know it has problems, but I know it's totally messed up, but I love it. Um, well, it's no surprise if you know me, but, um, cause like you said, I can be a rather light and sunny person at the beginning of this conversation. Um, but if all you know of me is the movie that I made, 
fuck. Um, maybe you'd be surprised to know that like my favorite movie of the last however many years is Eurovision on Netflix. Like I, I love that movie. Oh my god. With it. That movie over and over. I, me too. I could quote every line of it. It is a perfect movie. I it's and my right. favorite. It brings me so much joy. Husevic should have won the best song Oscar. Agreed. And they did such a beautiful job with it that night. I love Husevic. Oh, they landed that in the movie so well. Oh my God. I, I get chills every time. Every time. Uh, just listening to it when I got out of the shower the other day. So oh, good. <laughs> I do, I th- isn't, wait, isn't our, I feel like that's one of, isn't that one of our most downloaded episodes? Oh, our, yeah. We have a couple of most downloaded episodes. Uh, one of them is the review episode we did of RRR. It like took off oh. in India, absurd. <laughs> and then the other one was there's we have an episode called Play Ya Ya Ding Dong, and oh. it's all our review <laughs> of television. And it, guys, it's it a right moment. It's a perfect movie. I I can't get enough of it. Whenever I'm feeling down, that's the movie I watch. So okay, so you made Clock, yeah. terrifying, slow burn psychological horror. Mm-hmm. What's your next? mountain you're going to conquer what's coming next or what 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 movie do you want to make next well i've got a couple irons in the fire um you know we'll see what may or may not happen with with an upcoming writer strike but um i uh, have a project with 21 laps that is uh, also a horror film called the blindings which i'm really excited about um it's kind of like a female revenge uh really fun thriller. Um, and then I have a, a drama um, called The Villager, which I have an incredible cast attached to. Um, and it's uh, just about finding the right people to make it with at this point. Uh, it's it's about heavy subject material as well, um, but it's something I'm very, very passionate about telling. Um, it's It's the story of the mother of a school shooter who accidentally becomes pregnant again late in life and decides to start over in the angry town that holds her responsible. So it's in very much in contrast to clock. It's about a woman who decides to have a child and, you know, um, the healing that that creates within a, a very broken community. So um, that's a project I'm really passionate about. Um, and then there are other things out there <laughs> that are spinning plates for me that are giant, like four quadrant family comedies. So I'm running the gamut right now. Like we'll see what hits next. <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's amazing. We can't wait to see it. Alexis, where can people follow you? Yes. Um, I, I am on Instagram. I quit Twitter when, when Mr. Musk, uh, took over. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram. You can find me at a stage J. Um, and uh that's what that says i was trying to make it out okay yeah my my initials are asj and um i'm a stage actor i don't know it's kind of a dumb handle i should really probably change it but (laughs) yeah a stage j um so yeah come find me on uh instagram oh sorry do you have any recommendations of anything anyone should be watching Ooh, I just watched Beef, which I loved. All right. We started that. We started that, yeah. We loved uh, it. And we then started Jury Duty, which also. Lily and I were dying. Oh, we were, I haven't heard of it. It's what a, is it? On? It's like me, it's like office style about a okay. jury. It's on Amazon on their free channel. 
Okay. But the catch is, is there's one person in the entire cast who does not know that it is a show. A show. Oh, 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 okay, great. That sounds fantastic. Um so good. And the only okay. the only very famous person in it is James Marsden playing himself, and he is I hilarious. I love I'd watch anything with him. Um then you're gonna love this. What a delight of a man. Um yeah, beef. Um, and then like, if you haven't been there already, just I think like my two favorite shows of all time, Chernobyl and Watchmen on HBO. Go watch those. Yeah, those are yeah. we did watch. We, we, we did Watchmen. Becky, did you have to do Chernobyl because your husband's Russian? Uh, no, he loved it, and um, that's one of those shows I cannot watch, but he has described it to me in detail. So I, <laughs> you know the next best thing so i know all the horrors yeah. it is a horror to me in fact somebody asked me in an interview the other day what's your favorite horror film and i said chernobyl like it's not a film it's a tv show but like and it's certainly not meant to be a horror but it is wow oh, wow well yeah. uh and of course we recommend clock on hulu april 28th thank you to the amazing alexis jack now for being here and uh, we hope we can do more of this again in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Friday Night Movie, the sibling rivalry and pop culture podcast. Join the Friday Night Movie family by following at Fry Night Movie on all of the socials and visiting our website, frynightmovie.com. Our theme song is by What Does It Eat? And make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.